0: Chapter 24, Uh, I've been asked to speak a few words on their behalf before we go into uh, the vows, and I'm going to look at a wedding story from Genesis. Chapter 24, in 2011, a Craigslist ad in Tampa, Florida, offered what the ad said was the frame of a Corvette for $700. In fact, it was... Uh, an actual car, it was a 1960 Corvette that was among three that were turned into race cars by uh, Briggs Cunningham and this was the number one, the first one. So the buyer bought what was essentially a wreck of a car for $700 He is going to have to put in $500,000 But if he does that, they say the car will then be worth almost seven million dollars. So this is an illustration about life. We are talking not about cars, we're talking about love on this great wedding day of Chris and Lauren. Many people, they hope to find true love, but our scripture shows us something that True love requires an investment. Our scripture that we're going to look at is something that would be very foreign to us today. It is uh, the story of an arranged marriage. And in this arranged marriage, we see a marriage opportunity. And that's what I want to preach about, a marriage opportunity. In Genesis 24, let's start reading at uh, verse 57. verse 57 so they said we will call the young woman and ask her personally verse 58 then they called Rebecca and said to her will you go with this man and she said I will go skip down to verse 61 then Rebecca and her maids arose they rode on the camels followed the man uh, all the way from Boston and uh, the servant (laughs) Uh, just seeing if you're listening there. <laughs> so the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. Isaac went out to meditate <clears throat> in the field in the evening and lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Rebekah lifted her eyes when she saw Isaac. She dismounted from her camel. She said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It's my master. She took a veil, covered herself. The servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her to his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah. She became his wife. And look at this. And then he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Uh, death. Let's look at a marriage opportunity for a moment. Let's begin and talk about the opportunity of Marriage. This scripture is very different from uh, almost all of us that would be here, and that is, it is an arranged marriage. Someone is sent to another country to arrange. This is a couple they're going to marry and they have never met. So think about how strange that would be. How could that possibly work successfully? How could you ever find true love, someone else going and arranging a marriage for you? In this scripture, Marriage is presented as an opportunity and we see here Eleazar who is the agent arranging the marriage. He brings numbers of gifts, he brings camel loads full of treasure. Verse 53, he brought out jewelry of silver, gold, clothing, gave them to Rebekah, gave precious things to her brother and her mother. So here is the picture This was what in those days would be called a dowry. That would be our understanding. This was yours to keep. The Bible says that he brings precious things. The whole point of this dowry, it was like a down payment. You were saying, what kind of relationship you were going to bring, and so therefore he brings precious things. That is the potential of marriage. Marriage is, could be filled with precious things of beauty and, and uh, love and blessing and happiness. So this scripture shows the possibilities of uh, every marriage and every marriage begins not with luck, not with you happen to choose the right person, but with the opportunity. So we look at this scripture, it actually it gives us, it's like a manual For finding true love. How do you find true love according to God's Word? Number one, if you're wise, God needs to be involved. Chris just spoke in the testimony, and he he spoke about uh, uh, that in this day, God is involved. This is why our services are uh, uh, done as a part of the service, because From the beginning, when Chris and Lauren told me that they wanted uh, uh, to get married, they were speaking about wanting God's blessing on their life. We see in the Scripture here, it's interesting, the people involved, Abraham, make a choice based on relationship with God. Eleazar, he prays before uh, uh, making this proposal on Isaac's behalf. Isaac in this Scripture is found meditating which actual that is a, an Old Testament way if we find him praying. Wise people invite God to be a part of their marriage. A number of years ago they had a campaign it was in America called billboards from God supposedly these were messages uh, from God one of the billboards from God said I love the wedding now invite me to your marriage. Because that's what many people do. I have people call me that I've never met. I don't know them, they have no connection. Would you marry us? That, that is opposite of what this scripture is all about. Many people, it's just, let's get a preacher. We tack on the preacher or tack on the church at, at the end. But in actual fact, God is the, is the largest determining factor in finding true love. David McLaughlin writes him, The Role of Man in the Family. He says the divorce rate in America is almost fifty percent, one out of two, but the divorce rate among couples that pray together is one in ten thousand. That is a radical difference. Why? Because people who have God be a part of their life, it changes the factor of marriage. Because Chris and Lauren, as nice as they look, and as nice as they may be, they're going to need God. They're going to need God to forgive. They're going to need God to give them wisdom to meet each other's needs. They're going to need God to to help people change. Every couple needs God to help them overcome their uh, uh, selfishness. And some couples, they need God to help them show them how to have true love. Olivia Newton-John, they asked her why she didn't get married uh, uh, earlier in life. She said when she was 10, her parents divorced. She said, it's hard to believe a relationship can last when you've never seen one. There are people that we have in our, our churches, I'll never forget Ernie Toppen, he said when I got saved, he said, I had never seen a successful marriage. No one I knew either were married or were able to stay married. So when I got saved, I needed God to show me how to be happy in marriage, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. Let's talk secondly about the heart of marriage. You know, so much advice today that you will hear about how to find true love or how to be happy in marriage. Much of this revolves around finding the right person dating sites, matchmaking services, speed dating nights. You know, you, you have true love if there are 29 points of compatibility or people will say what you need to do is find your soulmate. In the obvious conclusion that that people come to, if, if you think that true love is simply I found the right one, so what happens when In a relationship you are not happy, the obvious conclusion is I didn't pick the right one. I've had people tell me, I just keep picking losers. Not realizing that the common denominator in all successful relationships is you, you were there. (laughs) Last year I was uh, uh, preaching out of town and the man we stopped and got coffee on the way to church and I brought the coffee up to my mouth and I spilled coffee right on my tie and I said out loud, I said, "Ah, how did that happen? (laughs) And then I laughed, I said, wait a minute, how did it happen? The same way it happened the last 500 times. I was there each time. I'm sensing a pattern here. So in our scripture here, The advice is not simply on finding the right one. Look at at the true priority. He says, the key is the heart. What is inside is going to determine who you choose. Look at the, the uh, the wisdom that's found here. Number one, use common sense. Abraham is practical. He sends his servant. Don't. Find a girl among the Canaanites. The Canaanites, they believed and did very bad things. He says, this is not where you're going to find a good one. That is is common sense. For believers, don't marry an unbeliever. That's going to cause you problems. And many times I find that people, they don't use common sense. I had a man look me in the eye one time. He told me he was leaving his wife because he had fallen in love with the barmaid at a biker bar. Now, there may be a lot of things that I don't know in life, but I don't think a barmaid at a biker bar is where you're going to find a great soulmate. (laughs) And I tried to explain to him, I don't think this is a wise uh, choice. The old saying, uh, one writer said, may be that opposites attract, but experts say you are wisest to pair with someone who is a close match on core values religion relationship with god sex parenting money and family so using common sense that is how they begin to find true love after having relationship with god number 2 choose character people value the wrong things they choose style over substance or charisma over character they choose for looks or money or or uh, for various things But this scripture, we see the instructions that are given to Eleazar, is he says, find someone with character. Try to find out what they are on the inside. That is what Eleazar says, I'm looking to find something good inside. Because that will be the greatest chance of having true love. You know, the the real truth, so many people, they spend so much time in marriage, trying to find the right person, they don't even worry about being the right person. Eleazar, we don't take the time to read the whole chapter, it's very lengthy, he says, if I have to pick a wife for somebody else, I want to find a nice, that would really help. (laughs) Right? If you marry somebody and they look good, but they're mean as a snake, you're going to have trouble. He says, I want to find a nice Hard-working girl who is flexible. Are you willing to uproot your life and live somewhere else? And, and uh, he bases this. Is she nice to strangers, willing to water the camels, willing to change her life? Choose character. That is what your are wise that you look for. Number three, you need to trust God. Every person in this story has to trust God uh, uh, for this marriage. Isaac. Is back home. Now this is trust. You go to another country, get me a wife. That is trust. But who he's actually trusting is not Eleazar, he is trusting that God is going to guide Eleazar and help him. This is so important in marriage, is that marriage and salvation in many ways is built upon trusting God. That means that in hard times, you don't give up on the marriage, you trust God that He will help. If your spouse is not doing right as you wish them to, you will learn that you can't make them change. If you have a relationship with God, if they have a relationship with God, you're going to have to trust that God will work on them. Let's look finally at the decisions of of marriage. What a a fascinating uh, uh, scripture this is because, again, it's so fun, we don't have arranged marriages today for, for the most part. There's very few cultures that still do. But in our society of I found the right one, here's a couple we've never met. They meet and then he says, and then... He loved her. So this tells us something about true love. True love is not a discovery. I found this. It's not an accident. I just happened suddenly across the train our eyes met. It's a decision. It's a decision to surrender. We've started in the verses here. This man, suddenly she's just simply going to get water and this man, hey, would you help me out because she's nice? She says, yes. Then he brings out all of this jewelry and he says, listen, I was sent, there's this guy. and He's looking for a wife and he says, will you go with this man? You have to make a choice. It's a decision to surrender. That means your options are going to be limited in just a couple of minutes. Chris and Lauren, they're going to vow before God and before everyone here and they're going to say these words, forsaking all others. That, that your options are limited, you have to, will you go with this man? There's surrender in marriage. If you're going to have true love, you're going to have to surrender past violations. You're going to have to surrender your rights. And so, They have to make a choice, a decision to surrender, there's a decision to invest. Verse 53, here's the treasure that he brings uh, out. Both Isaac and Rebekah, they have to give something in order, they have to give up something in order to bless the other. Isaac, this is his inheritance, his father is about to die. His mother, Is already passed away, and he is going to give up a great deal of money. Why? To bless the one he loves. But Rebecca, what an incredible thing. This man shows up. I'm from another country. There's this guy. Would you be willing? In all... There was no FaceTime. There was no Skype. There was no airplanes where you could hop home very possibly she was never going to see her family again. So it's going to cost her. But would you be willing to do that for true love? So this actually tells us something about love. Love isn't a a matter simply of, I found the right one, therefore it becomes easy. Chris and Lauren are going to have to invest in each other. That is how true love comes. That's a decision. The third thing is we see a decision to love. People are obsessed today with what they call falling in love. It is, And it's usually described as an emotion. It's, it's I felt, I tingled, my heart fluttered, whatever it might be, that, that I, that's how I knew I fell in love. But this scripture says... Love is actually a choice. It's not a feeling because that feeling, that flutter in the heart, you you might not have that in a short amount of time. That comes and that goes. But this scripture says they make a choice. Verse 67, Isaac loved her, but it was after he married her. For us, as I'm waiting, when I find that one person, I'm in love, we need to get married. The Bible says they get married, and then he loved her. So this is afterwards, verse 58. Will you go with this man? I will go. She decided. She had never even seen him, but she made up her mind, because that is the truth about Love, the reason why that is so important is because in marriage if the feelings change or when the feelings change that is not a signal to go online and find somebody else who makes your heart flutter. It tells you that in true love you have to make choices. That teaches us that the actions that we make very much affect our emotions or our feelings. Many of us, we have this wrong. I don't don't feel it. Pastor, we shouldn't be married. Why? Because we're not in love anymore. And when you begin to dig, the, the issue is they don't talk to each other like they did in the beginning. They don't treat each other like they did in the beginning. So it's no wonder they don't feel like they felt in the beginning. The Bible says, he does some things, then he loved her. So this tells us, feelings follow actions. That is what I would say to Chris and to Lauren, is you're going to have on this day, I'm sure you are powerfully in love, but there may be another day when you're not going to feel that. But you're going to have to make a choice, I choose to do right, I choose to invest, I choose to forgive and if you will do that you'll not only have a day but you will have a lifetime of love. I close with this story, Professor Professor Carl Pillemer, he wrote a book called 30 Lessons for Loving, he interviewed 700 seniors who had been married a long time He was asking, what is the secret to love that lasts for a lifetime? And he wrote this book, 30 Lessons for Loving. He says, long-lasting couples adopt a commitment to marital permanency. They don't see uh, divorce as an option. They work hard to communicate, which is not just talking, but listening. And then he says, couples that last in love Uh, are willing to forgive and treat each other with respect and they make generosity and kindness habitual, like helping each other. One of the couples that are there, John and Nancy uh, Olyphant, at the time the book was written, they had been married for 55 years. This couple, who make it a habit to hold hands on their daily walks, They start each day with a hug. 83-year-old John says she'll be making cookies and I'll walk by and say, I need a hug. 80-year-old Nancy nods as he says this, I need a hug, that's what we always say. The interviewer said, but 55 years, surely it must have taken a lot of work. And whose hand was resting on his arm, said, doesn't feel like work. John said, no. It sure doesn't feel like work. That is a profound thing. My prayer is not just that we have a color-coordinated day. (laughs) It's not just that we have photos that we can pull out. My prayer for Chris and Lauren, my wife and I have been married for 33 years, and I can tell you, you can have not just a day, you can have a lifetime of love, if you want to. Marriage is an opportunity. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. Thank God. Just a moment, we're going to go into the wedding vows. Chris and Lauren would never have met and been on this day if they had not first met Jesus Christ. This is what actually brought them together. Through different circumstances, they came face to face with the truth of the Gospel. The Gospel message is this, we have all sinned. We have done wrong. They came by different paths. Chris spoke about the brokenness of the past that he desperately needed a change. Lauren said there was something, there must be something else, different paths, and yet the same conclusion, Jesus Christ is the answer. Because the Bible says the real problem is not where you live, how much money you make, who you're married to or not married to. The real issue is that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The answer to the sin problem is Jesus Christ who died on the cross. He paid with His blood so we can go free from our sin. They testified. Something changed inside. It's not a program that they found. It's not merely that they attend church. Jesus Christ did a miracle from the inside out. There are people that are here, I don't know if it's because you came specifically for the wedding or you happen to be visiting, you come and attend here, but if you would be honest, some of you here, you say, I don't have that kind of relationship with God that Chris and Lauren were talking about. Some of you, you say, yes, I, I have that kind of brokenness. I need a change. Others, maybe you can relate to what Lauren was saying. There's an emptiness. There must be something more. And, you, and you're constantly looking for new things, new people, new places. But the answer is you need a miracle on the inside. If the inside changes, everything changes on the outside. I'm asking right now how many people here, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and you want to turn from your sin and have God forgive you and change you from the inside out. How you do that? You don't do that by signing up or becoming a member or paying money. You do that by praying with an honest heart. You say, God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I know that I have sinned. And I want you to forgive me. Come into my heart and change me. How many people here, this is a private moment. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If you want to pray, and you want God to do a miracle in your heart, I want you to do something. Lift up your hand. How many would there be? You say, that's me. I need Jesus Christ. I am not saved. I need to get saved how many here lift up your hand hold it up so I can see it put it right back down say Pastor Greg I need Jesus I want to get right with God all across this place how many would there be or maybe you're a backslider you knew the Lord but you turned your back on God the good news is God has not given up on you God loves you still he wants to heal you bring you back to him how many backsliders lift up your hand so I want to get right with God thank God Thank God. I want you all to stand up to your feet. Just, we're going to take a a moment. I'm going to allow you an opportunity to deal with people that might not know Jesus as their Savior. We're going to sing that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. As we do that, you deal with people. And then we're going to go into the vows. Amazing Grace. Amazing. Sweet. Many dangers, toils, and snares. Many dangers, toils,
1: and snares. I have already come. Grace has brought me safe. and grace will lead me home. Let's sing praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Praise God.
0: Let's worship God together. Let's thank Him for salvation.